Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Book Goodies Author Podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Carney, and today I have with me um, as guest author, Dr. Nancy Irwin. Hi, Nancy. How are you? I'm great, Deborah. How are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a, it's my pleasure. I've been interviewing a lot of really interesting authors, and of course, yours uh, is very intriguing to me. Since um, you know, why don't you tell us a little about yourself, and then uh, I can tell what in- intrigues me about you. <laughs> oh well, thank you. I would love to. Uh, just so listeners know, I do have a book out. It's called U Turn: Changing Direction in Midlife, and that's spelled Y O U Turn. We all know what a U Turn is on the road. Yeah. Well, many of us take a U Turn in life. We'll be going down the road. Sometimes it's a middle age. Sometimes it's earlier. Sometimes it's later. Mm-hmm. But most of us do come to a point in our life where we see we're just going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Not really fulfilled by the choices we've made. Let me just look around and see if there's another way I can go, a path that will be more fulfilling for me. Well, that happened to me at about age 44. I previously was a stand-up comic, believe it or not. <laughs> I saw that in your in your profile. I was very um, I was excited yeah. about that too. Yeah, well it was it was wonderful for about I guess close to 10 years, a lot of good times. A lot of hell gigs, too, but mostly fun times. And I moved out to here in L.A. because I heard Hollywood needed more blondes. <laughs> I was in New York before that. Originally from Atlanta, went to New York for about, uh, I guess, about 10 years. And then came out here, and I was staff and see at the Melrose Improv and working with a lot of big names, doing a couple of USO tours and traveling. And I'm a good road comic. But when you're a comic, you only work about 30 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. So I was bored, a lot of time on my hands. So I started volunteering in my community, and I chose a shelter for sexually abused teenagers. I absolutely fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. It waked up the healer in me, and oh, over the course of a few months, you know, I'd be doing the clubs at night, the kids by day, and the scales started tipping, and I could easily see, you know what? This is what I meant to, to do. Mm-hmm. Waked up the healer me. It prompted me to go back to school, get my doctorate in psychology, and now I predominantly work in the field of sexual abuse recovery and prevention. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. Well, it's very fulfilling. It's, well, and these kids need somebody. Sorry? Uh, these kids need somebody like you. Absolutely. And I need them because, it, again, it really they gave me an epiphany. And I still volunteer my services for that organization. Mm-hmm. So I always tell patients and people that, that are not sure what they want to do, something's missing, they'd like to make a change, but they're not sure what they want, I highly recommend be a volunteer in your community. Mm-hmm. Do something that will make a difference in the world, and you have no idea what that will wake up in you. Yeah. And a good place, if you're not sure what you want to do, read the papers and look at the news and Figure out what really pisses you off that's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. There may be a long list of things, <laughs> but it's a good place to start and where you can turn your anger into passion and begin, like Gandhi said, to be the change you want to see in the world. I got to a point I just couldn't be with the fact that there's child abuse, child sexual abuse in this world. So now I work very hard to fight it. I turn it into passion rather than just outright anger. Right. Right, and it is really easy when you're working with specifically sexually abused um, children to be very angry about what happened to them, and well, they're very angry 
So you need to turn that anger into something positive. Absolutely. I had to make sense of it Mm -hmm. and understand why certain people did that Mm -hmm. so that that awareness, the understanding, and actually compassion will allow me, because now I treat sex offenders as well. Mm -hmm. For it's my belief that the more you help the perpetrators, the less victims you'll have to help. Right. So, again, the understanding, the compassion, and seeing that, I'm not excusing their behavior at all, but mm-hmm. believe me, nobody grows up and says, you know what, I want to be a child molester when I grow up. Right. I want to be a rapist. It just doesn't work that way. Right. Most of them really would like to change, but they don't know how, and there's such a judgment against them, they're scared to open their mouths and ask for help. Mm-hmm. Or they got shut down so long ago, they don't even know how to ask for help. Right. So... It's my honor to be able to help these people and rehabilitate them so that they are able to be who they're supposed to be as well. Right. And it's even though a lot of people may, you know, have a, a, a picture in their mind of what they would do to a sex offender, you know, like anybody else, they can anybody else with an addiction you know, which to them it is sort of, it's an addiction of some type. Absolutely. Um, they need to be able to uh, go through rehab and break through, and, you know, some people will be able to and, and others may not, but it, if you help at least a few, there you go. You exactly, know? because it is something, there's no cure for it, but it can be managed. Just mm-hmm. like you said, alcoholics. I've been told about 60 years ago when Bill H. came forward and said, you know what? I'm not going to live in shame. Mm -hmm. I'm going to open my mouth and have a safe place for people to admit this and heal and learn how to manage this condition. Mm -hmm. So that's my fervent desire that society will begin to respect people who've had a sex addiction, et cetera, and that are willing to do something about it. In fact, that's one of the stories that's in my book. Mm -hmm. It's uh, 42 stories of people who made amazing transitions in life. Mm-hmm. And one is the story of a guy who was an outright pedophile. Mm-hmm. And thanks to treatment, a lot of our work himself, he's been offense-free for over 26 years now. That's great. It's awesome. And there's so many more guys like that than you ever will hear in the news. You, the news only hears about the Sam Duskies and people that deny it or mm-hmm. lie or cover up. And thank God, that's really a smaller portion. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Now, what are some of the other 42 stories? Oh, gosh. Some are simple. Some are very dramatic. Uh, One is a a woman who was bored as a secretary and turned around and got her real estate license at age 45. Mm -hmm. Started cleaning up in the market. One is a high-profile attorney who was an alcoholic, and he got sober. Mm -hmm. One is uh, one of my favorite ones, because they're divided into two halves. Half the stories are people who changed by default, Mm -hmm. meaning... Life did it to them. Either right. they were dumped or divorced or they got injured, fired, laid off, they were stricken with a disease, something like that. Life threw them a fastball. And the other stories are those more like mine. People were bored, they knew something was missing, and so they changed by choice. Either way, the change can be made. Mm-hmm. And it's really with the same formula. So each one is diverse and different. One of my favorite stories is about a woman who was this suburban housewife in Georgia, where I'm originally from. I didn't know her, but I found the story later. She had eight kids, and sadly, one of them committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And when the mother and her husband went to the girl's college dorm to pick up her things, they were going through all of her things, personal effects, 
and they discovered the girls had been giving a lot of money every year to this orphanage in India. And that was fine, that money wasn't the issue, but she was just sort of flummoxed. Why is my daughter attracted to an orphanage in India? Mm-hmm. Well, compelled her to fly there, and she discovered that there is leprosy still exists in this world. Wow. I know. So cut to the chase. This woman started a foundation and started a whole slew of schools that swelled so big now where she's treating and helping the children of the leprosy affected. Because like me, she thought leprosy went out with the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah. But yeah. it's still around, and there's still shame. And, of course, these people who are losing their limbs and their vision cannot help their children. Right. So she set up this school to educate the children and then have job retraining for the parents who have leprosy mm-hmm. and so that they could get mainstreamed and take care of themselves and their children. So talk about turning lemons into lemonade yeah all that came out of her daughter's suicide yep um if i might share a little bit of a story i'll, I'll keep it short because this isn't all about me it's all about you but um you mentioned that you know you had a life-changing experience when you were 44 and my life-changing experience when i was 44 is that one of my sons was killed in a car accident oh and God. he was um 21 and wow. he was a prolific writer. And wow. out of that, um, it, it was 10 years ago, Mother's Day. It was <laughs> makes that oh. not such a nice holiday for me God. anymore. Oh, but um, in the years since, one of his driving passions was he was a writer. And it's his memory that I have started my own publishing company, Nightfire Publications, and this book site, Book Goodies, because I want to encourage other young writers in particular to get out there. Danny wrote his first book when he was 10, and he didn't like it, so he threw it away. And he wrote another one when he was um, 12, and uh, over the year, and he wrote many um, screenplays. So I am actually going to become a fiction writer through him because oh. no one reads screenplays. <laughs> and uh, the harsh reality is no one will make a movie out of a screenplay that the author isn't still alive to write a sequel for. So I, um, he made me uh, get started in the, in the book business uh, seriously so that um, I can get his... Um, I published a book of his essays, and I have published his fiction book, and I published one of his screenplays, but now I need to go back and flesh out the stories. And so that was that was my life path change. What a beautiful <laughs> U-turn. See, it can even happen posthumously. I love that story. Mm-hmm. And that gives his life and his death some meaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. he he wow. wrote too much and believed too much in young writers, you know, and the fact that young writers were snubbed. He wouldn't even tell people. Um, he was just getting into things right when online forums and things were becoming um, mainstream. So, and this is back in 2002, and he was on a forum called Project Greenlight uh, that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck had put together. Oh, wow. And he was on their forum quite vocal, but he wouldn't tell anybody how old he was, and he wouldn't tell anybody that he was uh, physically handicapped and in a wheelchair. 
And the only time he told them was when we flew to L.A. from New York for um, an in-person get-together that they held. And he, you know, he made people like his writing before they knew he was a teenager or, you know, only 20 years old because he wrote way above his line. So. Wow, that is such an amazing story, and you are really keeping his spirit alive. That's another thing I always tell people, if they feel stuck in life, they're not sure what their purpose is, what they'd like to do, look at the pain that you've had. Mm-hmm. Call behind that pain, and there is some gift in it. Mm-hmm. But you see, actually, my background was, while I was attracted to helping the sexually abused kids, was I was abused as an adolescent by our Presbyterian minister. Mm-hmm. So that experience, while not enjoyable, mm-hmm. source of pain for many years for me, turned out in the end to be a gift because now I work as a healer in that profession. In that realm, yeah. That industry. So that gives my experience meaning to the pain and allows me to turn it into a gift. So whenever people had some sort of loss or trauma, of course, take your time to process those. Those feelings are absolutely valid. Yeah. But know that in time there is some sort of gift in there that you can share with others. And that allows you to turn the pain into some sort of wisdom. That's what we try to do. <laughs> and that's what you're doing. So you made a U-turn. So good for you. Now, wow. talk to me about how you... Um, how you decided to self-publish. I know you said you had an offer from a publishing company and you said, uh-huh. you know what? I don't want to do it your way. I want to do it my way. And that was a hard decision to make because there is a degree of snobbery with some people. Oh, well, I'm not going to, you know, you're not a real writer. You're not published. You're self-published. Yep. That is turning around now. Mm -hmm. So many people are self-publishing. First of all, because the publishing industry, like many others, has suffered enormously in the economic climate that we're in. Mm -hmm. So... What happened with me was, and it was it was a good publisher. They do a lot of psychology books, a lot of self help, which mine it falls in that category. It was a small advance. They wanted a complete rewrite, and they kept sending me other books that they wanted mine to be like a cookie cutter version of. They wanted me to, it to be more like those. I didn't like those formats. I wanted my own voice, so I wanted complete artistic control. And then they also wanted me to do most of the promotion myself. And I thought, then why? <laughs> then I why do I need you? <laughs> exactly. And it was going to take forever to be, you know, to come out. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I can self-publish in less than a year. Mm-hmm. I can do it my way. And <laughs> I don't have to rewrite it. It's fine as it is. Mm-hmm. And I would tell you, know, I used to be a stand-up. I'm happy doing my own promotion. Right. And PR work. So if you're willing to do that, because you will, unless... You're with a huge publishing house, especially if you're a first-time writer, not to be negative, but you are going to have to be willing to do a lot of your own press and coverage. They really, they just don't have the funds to have huge publicity unless you're like a, you know, a major name writer, a Michael Connelly or somebody like that. Then mm-hmm. it's all for you, of course. Right, but in the end, um, more people have found that I know, I know some people that were traditionally published and they were very disappointed with the amount of 
uh, promotion their books got and promises that were made that weren't followed up on. Yeah. And plus tying up of the manuscript that, you know, one person I know, they can't they can't touch their previous manuscript. It belongs totally to the publishing publishing yeah. company and they can't quote themselves. They can't use the content again. Right. It, it doesn't belong to him. So and you also make more money per book when you're self-published anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Not that you're going to become rich off one book. I mean, you can. Right. But usually it's a calling card for your business, which it yep. certainly is in my profession. And most of us do that to have prestige, credentials. Um, that Authority. Business call. Yeah, exactly. So it's wonderful to that, but you can make more if you just, you know, publish it. So it really is so easy. There's so many wonderful self-publishing houses online. I chose to do directly through Amazon. It was just easy, Mm -hmm. very easy. They were great. Nothing bad to say about them at all. Mm -hmm. Well, they support it fast. It's it's excellent. And your book is available on the Kindle as well as in print? Yes, it is. Okay, good. Yes, it is. And that's the other thing, too, is that you can, you know, you're not limited anymore. You know, like your publishing house doesn't decide whether you're going to have an e-book or a print book. You can you can just do both. It's just there. And then you can do your own updates. You can edit it any time you choose. I yep. mean, there's a small fee, but it's print-on-demand, so it's not like they have to pull 4,000 copies all over the country from bookstores yep. and then update the edition. <laughs> it's really idiot proof it's definitely the way it was the way to go for me yep and with the ebooks like you said with the calling card if you were to to create a second book you can pull down your kindle book add a chapter to your new book and put that up and it becomes a new promotional vehicle for you absolutely it couldn't be easier and then of course with technology what it is and all the social networks and shows like yours it is so easy to get out there and you know do the press releases and publicize Mm -hmm. yourself Mm -hmm. yeah you don't have to go to um i'm hearing more about well we we're all hearing about virtual book tours now which are awesome because you know as writers you don't have to leave the house you can just uh write a blog post or like you're doing with me record a podcast um you know i'm sure there's some live radio shows I prefer the podcast format because I'm not a person that likes to keep to a schedule. <laughs> so we can all do these our own way, and you can get the word out to a lot of people without having to spend a lot of money traveling all over the country. Yeah, and you could do like a webinar that would be like a virtual book uh, show. Mm-hmm like a book signing in a store because nobody wants to drive and park anymore especially in Los Angeles yeah but the next door they're not going to spend the money to go in park buy the book wait for you to sign it go home right it's a huge hairy deal in a big town yeah so if they can sign on listen to you talk about your book purchase it online great easy way to do that yep and Authors need to realize that, you know, if they're listening and they were published by a traditional publisher, you can go do this stuff yourself without your publishing company (laughs) giving you the okay because it is your book and you can, you know, you can do these things with it. But um, if you self-publish, you have so much more control. And now I'm sure, you know, being that you were a stand-up comedian and and you did a lot of off-the-cuff types of things... Um, did you get an editor for your book? Did you have someone go through and professionally edit your book, or were you pretty I comfortable? Actually, and I pulled the nepotism card. I've got a brilliant niece <laughs> who was a journalism major, and she's quite the wordsmith. 
and I hired her and a fraction of the cost. To, yeah. She was young at graduating college and was happy to get a credit, and so I, she honored me by being my editor. She also had a friend who's a very talented graphic designer who I hired to do my cover because I knew what I wanted it to look like. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want it to be as busy as what my publisher wanted it to be. I was yeah. like, it's confusing. This book is really for older people. It's not for kids with, you know, too many colors and too many fonts. It looks like an ADHD person's dream come true. I wanted something simpler. Yeah. But profound. So you can do that yourself, or you can go to a, a self-publisher where they have everything soup to nuts. Yeah, they do all that for you. So lots. Of, it's it's like an a la carte menu. Well, and I'm looking at your um, book page right now, and and I happen to see the quote at the bottom that says, "Life is built on exceptions. Be an exception." I think that's awesome. Thank you. It's true because you know what? I was older when I went back to get my doctorate, mid-40s, and all around me people were going, oh, my God, I can't believe you're doing that at your age. How old are you going <laughs> to be when you, you finish? <laughs> and my quip was, same age I'll be if I don't. Yep. And I went, well, it's really exceptional. Not many people can do that. And I just looked at them and said, you know, life is built on exceptions. Mm-hmm. Be an exception. You don't have to just because most people don't do this doesn't mean you can't. Yep. So don't listen to the numbers and the statistics. Be your own. <laughs> well, and I think one of the things you said early on, too, was something that I um, I like to heavily um, tell new authors. And there is still a little bit of a stigma for people who only like print books. But most of the people, especially in the industry I'm in, they're used to electronic products and they're used to print on demand. So they don't care if you were published by, you know, a big publishing house or if you published yourself, as long as you gave them the choice to be able to buy a print book rather than um, only an e-book. That's true. Convenience is a major priority for people right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're saying that bookstores are, you know, brick-and-mortar bookstores are losing out and I don't think that they should be because you go to a bookstore for a different reason than you go to a uh, than you go online to shop for a book. You right. know, you go online to shop for a book because somebody said you needed to get it, or you're doing a search for something, and you know, a book pops up that is of interest to you, so you go ahead and purchase it from you know, usually Amazon. And the uh, when you decide you want to go to an indie bookstore or an, a, a local small bookstore, it's because you want to walk around and feel the ambience and, you know, let the books call to you so that you can go figure out something that you want to read. And it's just something people in our society don't do as much anymore. Exactly. It's not that they're forsaking the local bookstores. It's that they don't have time to go to them. It's true. That's absolutely true, and it's just really sad. A lot of the bookstores are closing. So we're kind of losing that human touch in some ways. <laughs> yeah, but even online, though, there is a lot of, you know, there's a lot of community, and it gives you a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of excellent websites to go to if you're an independent uh, publisher where you can um, talk to other authors. Some of the first authors that I interviewed for this series were people that, were part of online, uh, what they were calling loops. And, you know, they were just like a group on uh, a Yahoo group or a Facebook group that um, shared, 
with each other. They reviewed each other's uh, manuscripts. They helped promote each other. And, you know, when one of them found an outlet, like our site, Book Goodies, to, um, to be participate in, you know, they shared it with other people. So, it, and it's worldwide. I mean, you're in L.A. and I'm in New York. You know, in the past, you know, we have to have you in a TV studio over there, me in a TV studio over here, right. you know, and there's no way to, there was less of a way to connect, so. That's like, it's exciting, isn't it? There's so many other options available now. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So, yeah, you could sell a book from your bed yeah. in your pajamas. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the other side of what I do is affiliate marketing. I teach people how to work in their pajamas, selling something that they don't warehouse to somebody they don't know. Wow. <laughs> um, like your book. They can take your book on Amazon, put it on their website, and earn a commission by selling it for you. Oh. Um, so now, if you had a new um, author that, you know, uh, walked up to you and said, you know, Nancy, I, I, I want to do this. What's the first thing, you know, what should I do? How's the, what's the first thing I should do? If they have a book that they've already written and they're ready to publish it? No, if they haven't, either way, if they haven't written it or if they have written it, which would, what would you tell them? Well, first of all, to decide what it is they want to say. Mm-hmm. What is the mission of the book? What is the purpose? What do you want to give the world? I always like to come from a place of service to others rather than just satisfying the ego. My purpose was I wanted others to feel as comfortable and confident that they could have a life that they love later in life and know that they could do it. If I could do it, they could too. Okay. So it's to give hope and inspiration and confidence to people, knowing they don't have to settle in life and remain stuck, Mm -hmm. but there is another way to create another chapter for their life. So know what it is, how you want to touch and inspire people or entertain them or what you have to do to contribute to them. I would say that's the major thing is knowing the mission of your work. I think that's excellent because I think that's one thing that a lot of um, authors overlook. You know, they wrote the book they wanted to write, but not necessarily um, aimed it to an audience. And then they wonder why it doesn't do well, because it didn't speak to, you know, it didn't entertain as much as it should entertain or it didn't get the point across. So that's that's a great idea. Sit down and review and decide before you even get going who's your audience and and what do you want to tell your audience or what do you want to do with your audience? Right. How do you want to be of service with what you have to say? Of course, it should come from your own unique inner voice. Mm -hmm. Not the ego, but your own, yeah, your own inner voice, your super consciousness, if you will. So it's Mm -hmm. not about your ego. It's about the best part of you, Mm -hmm. your highest self, your authentic voice, how it can contribute and be of service. I like that. So now when you put together your book, we kind of skipped over this part. What was your, uh, what gave you the idea to tell other people's stories as your book rather than writing it in the more traditional self-help, self-help venue? Well, we touched on it earlier, actually, when I was telling you that all the people around me were kind of doubting Tom and says, oh, I could never do that. How can you right. do that at this age? How old are you going to be? And I was like, I guess I got a little defensive and I started saying, well, plenty of people do this. I can prove it. So I started collecting stories of other people who've made amazing changes. 
and one of the stories in the book is a longtime friend of mine. I've known him since my early 20s. Really a brilliant guy. When I met him, he was already a Ph.D. in theater. And then at age 40, he decided, I've always wanted to be a medical doctor. God bless him, he went to medical school at age 40. Wow. And he's now a psychiatrist. So he always joked, saying, oh, man, when I was in... in med school, all the kids were half my age, they started calling me dad, <laughs> but he had a, such a great sense of humor about it, and he was so committed to this U-turn in his life, mm-hmm. and did it. So well, I started collecting all these stories of people making these amazing changes, and what they all had in common was they had a strong support, well they had several things in common, one was most of them had a strong support system around them. They sort of cut ties with any negative toxic people, the doubting Thomases, they really wanted people to around them who were very supportive and shoring them up and reminding them when, time, when obstacles came up and they got difficult, you can do it. You've come this far, you're doing it. How can we help you? That's a huge thing. And number two, you want to make sure you're taking care of your health. If you're oh, not taking yeah. care of your body, it's going to be hard to accomplish your soul's purpose. That's kind of your foundation. And anything else you need that is nurturing to you. For some people, it's getting in touch with nature or animals or some hobby or spiritual pursuit that keeps them on course. This way you're taking care of your body and your mind and your heart. So the whole package is going with you, which is going to shape the voice that you're using to write this book. Uh, That's... That's perfect, dude. I can tell you're a good speaker because I got nothing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can't. <laughs> that's just, you know, that's just amazing for people. And if people can understand that, they can be better authors as well as better people. So Absolutely. That's, and don't let anybody scare you saying, well, you're too old to write. If you've ever written before, it's hard. Don't listen to those voices because I can't remember where I heard this. It was years ago. Somebody had heard feedback from, from someone saying, oh, you can't write a book. It takes years to learn how to write. And the person just said, you know what? I don't know how to write a book, but I do know how to write this one. (laughs) And she listened to her soul, and she wrote the book that she knew intrinsically how to write. Yep. I want to say maybe it was Natalie Goldberg in that book, Writing Down the Bones. Oh, I I love her. I love her. It may have been her. I can't remember. I've read so many books like that, and they're all great. Her book is on my desk. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. It may be in there. But some brilliant woman and it just said that. It was like, I don't know how to write a book, but I know how to write this one. Mm-hmm. And you know how to tell a story. You know, exactly. um, any book, and your book is one of them, you know, all we're doing is telling stories, whether it's me with my photography telling a story or a fiction writer, you know, making up a world and telling a story. We're storytellers, which in the past were the minstrels and the, you know, the wandering storytellers and the poets. So, you know, they've always been around. You just use different venues to get your word out. Absolutely. I'm trying to find one because I've got tons of inspirational quotes that are peppered through the book. And there's one beautiful one. Oh, I hope I can find it. Uh, Of course, I can't right now. can't remember all the pages. But it loosely is, the woods would be very silent if only those birds sang who sang the best. Yes. 
Yeah, I've heard that. And that is absolutely true. And that's the beauty of self-publishing. Again, there's no gatekeeper. And you don't have to worry about fitting into the way someone else wants you to write. You can write your story and tell your story in your own way. And maybe you don't sell a million copies, but every copy that goes out there is someone else hearing your story. Yeah. You know, and by putting your story out there, you're touching somebody. Exactly. And you have the perfect voice for them. You may not be John Steinbeck, but you are you. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? John Steinbeck didn't start out by being the famous John Steinbeck. Exactly. <laughs> he was a guy that wrote a book. <laughs> exactly. You learn um, as you go along. Yeah. I mean, and one of my favorite, you know, uh, comparisons is J.K. Rowling. You know, I mean, she got turned down by publishers. She stuck to her guns and she didn't have the option of self-publishing back then. But, you know, she still stuck to her guns and no one knew she was going to be you know, wildly famous and that everybody was going to know all about the Harry Potter world and, you know, there would be Harry Potter parties and movies and, you know, all kinds of stuff. You just, it started with one story. Sure. So. Thank God she didn't let anyone dissuade her. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Thank God. And imagine how many other writers have her talent whose voices have been quelled by some of this criticism and the negativity. Yep. Which is very sad. So please, listeners, don't let you be one of those. Yep. Tell your story. Sing your song. Yep. Sing your song, tell your story, whatever it is. Yeah. And know that it's good enough for your market of people. Well, Nancy, this has been a great interview. Do you have any uh, last parting thoughts you would like to leave with somebody? I mean, you've left a lot of them already, but... Well, I just want to see everybody live a life that they love and don't die with the music in you. That's great. Um, Nancy, tell people where they can find you on the Internet. I know you gave your website once, but let's give it again. I like to uh, wind up the podcast with sure. places where people I've can got find two. you. My therapy website is drnancyirwin.com. That's just D-R-N-A-N-C-Y-I-R-W-I-N.com. And the book website is makeauturn.com. And it is make a Y-O-U dash turn.com. If you don't put the dash in there, it's going to go to like a used tire store in New Jersey. (laughs) Well, at least you know. (laughs) Exactly. At least it's not a really evil website. (laughs) Exactly. Not a malicious one. So, all right, great. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us today, and I look forward to following up with you in the future. Um, As always, uh, listeners, you can go to bookgoodies.com and you can do a search for Dr. Nancy Irwin to find this podcast if you're listening to it on a podcatcher or um, on your iPhone and don't have access to the website right now. Come on over to bookgoodies.com and leave us some comments. Uh, let us know what you think. And also you can fill out our form, to, fill out our contact form to be a guest on our show. And if you're an author, you can uh, click on the link to tell us about your book. And we also just added the ability that if you're a book blogger, you can uh, click on a link and fill out the information about your book blog so that um, people can find the the books that you're reviewing. 
uh, book goodies is all about everybody sharing with everybody else and making us all better authors and uh, bloggers and and whatnot because of um, because of our existence. <laughs> Um, I'd also like to thank geekcast.fm, G-E-E-K-C-A-S-T.fm for hosting all of our podcasts. And you can find Bookities on Twitter at Bookities. And you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bookgoodies. And you can find me personally at debracarney.com or twitter.com slash loxley, L-O-X-L-Y. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed our show. And as Nancy said, get writing and let people hear your song. And uh, everybody have a great day.